Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm Soyini Koch. And what happens when a business owner founds a company based on conviction rather than impeccably conducted market research? Well, Leslie Zinn and Victor Gaffney from Arden's Garden certainly know the answer to that question. Arden's Garden is Atlanta's premier juice manufacturer with customers like Whole Foods and Kroger. But in 1995, when they founded the business, juicing was just for New Agers and and health nuts. So Leslie and Victor are going to tell us a little bit about how they got big. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You can find out more about Arden's Garden CEO Exclusive at CEOExclusiveRadio.com. Leslie, not Arden. Arden's her mother. That's correct. Yeah. Leslie, tell us about the arc of of the growth of of Arden's Garden. In particular, I know you started with one store on Monroe, Monroe Drive near Piedmont Park. And then, like, what happened from then? Well, actually, we started with one juicer in my mom's kitchen. Ah. And she bought a juicer that she couldn't really afford and she wanted to use it. So she called all her friends and said, if you want me to make juice for you, please let me know. I want to use this juicer. <laughs> so that's where we started. And you were and you were kind of roped into it and dragged along? Well, what happened is a, a local health food store opened down the street and they heard about her and they said, hey, come make juice out of the back of our store. And this juicer was incredibly labor intensive. So she recruited her two free laborers, my, me and my brother. Mm. So actually, the store was a step up. (laughs) That was 1993. And in 95, we outgrew the back of the health food store and we opened up our first store on Monroe Drive. And now you have 13 stores in a whole bunch of different states. Yes. Great. And you're looking at national distribution, right? Not quite. We're still growing in the region. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Got it. So how did you go from that when juicing was kind of a really, really small niche to to where you are now, where you have this huge following and, and a big, big footprint? Uh, we just grew it very um, organically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we would open one store and it's very interesting. I, I sort of think that it was a divine intervention because my mother was very passionate about health and we, she drilled it into us and we always followed that vision and that vision led us in a really strong direction. So For example, uh, when there was an Odwalla outbreak back in 1996, all of the fresh juice industry pretty much dissipated and went to a processed industry, and she refused. And at that point, we lost our biggest customer, who was Kroger. Mm. But she wasn't going to do it. And But what we did is we cemented our uh, trust with our customer. And so we were able to grow just one store at a time. You know, we didn't open, it's actually 14 stores, but we opened seven stores in 19 years and then seven more in the last two. As a strategist, mm-hmm. one of the things that I counsel people to do, of course, is to do great market research and understand exactly who your target market is and how many of them are in the city and exactly what their demand is. And um, so you're a tough case, right? Because <laughs> then, you know, I get people who are like, no, I don't need to do that. I can just have my dream and my hope and it's going to work out. And then they're like, but look at what happened with Arden's Garden. They did it that way. And look at them now. Sorry. if you think about that first store do you know if there was even maybe intuitively a little bit of thought as to how you go from just a small following to having more and more people 
be willing to adopt a product because it's premium juices while they're not terribly expensive and expensive. And I know you do a good job of trying to keep the price point down. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still, you know, Mm -hmm. an expense, right? It's still a little bit more expensive. It's kind of like a coffee or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a luxury ish item. How did you go from, how did you get the adoption? How did you get more people to want to use your product? Uh, It's fairly easy because if you have a product that will help people feel better, then they become your marketing team. And when you have a store where you have direct access to your customer, you listen to what they say. If you're smart. That's right. (laughs) If you're smart, that's true. So our customers would tell us, please open up in Little Five or we want something in Buckhead. Forever people were begging Sandy Springs. So we were like, okay, it's time. Let's look for a store. And, And they came. Mm-hmm. And then they share the experience with their friends. Mm-hmm. And and Victor, what do you do to make sure that you maintain the quality of the product? Victor is their head of operations. Maintain the quality of their pro- your product as you go through this expansion. I mean, the the biggest thing is the quality of the produce that goes into it. You have to maintain that integrity. You have to maintain the the quality of the fruit, the quality of the vegetables not give in to necessarily what's easy and stick with what's best, what's healthiest. And that's what the people are going to want. How do you go about evaluating your suppliers to make sure that they meet meet those standards? A lot of our suppliers now we've done business with for a long time. Mm. We have good relationships with them. We maintain those relationships. We're constantly looking through what we receive not hesitant to return something. If we get something in that we don't like the looks of, it goes back. And our vendors understand that now. And most of them will, you know, look out for that for us. Mm. And so if we return something, there's no questions from most of them. And Leslie, I became familiar with uh, Arden's Garden around the time when you were looking at starting to pasteurize. Mm -hmm. And I know that it it felt for me that that was like a difficult and painful decision. Well, we weren't looking to pasteurize. The (laughs) government was forcing us to pasteurize. Got it. It was no longer a, you can pasteurize if you want to. The government mandated it. Mm -hmm. And I I know that that, it was was crushing. Yeah, it was hard for y'all. Tell me about that process and like how you metabolized it, worked through it and still were able to produce a, a quality product that had integrity with your customers? So there's a, a minimum level that you, it's called a five log reduction in bacteria. And that's the minimum that you have to achieve in order to wholesale. We are able to sell an unprocessed product to our direct customer. So all of our stores carry fresh product. Uh, but if we're going to wholesale, then it needs to be processed in some way. We felt like we could still offer a product with integrity because we weren't going for a long shelf life. We were going for the minimum amount the government would accept. So that's what differentiates us in the market. Maybe business-wise, that doesn't make sense because it limits our distribution a lot. But as far as strengthening our relationship with our customer and, you know, our brand, it works for us. Mm. And, and what was the customer response when you had to, to do the pasteurization, when, it, when you started having to do it? Quite honestly, there's a lot of people that want to buy a healthy product and they can't get to one of our Metro Atlanta stores. So they're appreciative that there's a product out there that you can understand every ingredient that's in it, pineapples, apples, and gingers, for example, <laughs> you know, no chemicals of any sort, no preservatives. So it's still a product with integrity and, and 
we've had a very positive response. Mm. And and how are things going as you increase the the, the distribution of the of the product? Um, overall, it's going well. We're currently faced with an issue that you know because of scaling up, we have distributors that are interested in handling our product, and our product is very temperature sensitive. So the only thing that's keeping it fresh is cold. Mm. And so we are faced with a decision right now. Do we want to trust it to another entity that might not respect how important maintaining that cold chain is to the integrity of the product? Mm. Victor? Um, that's exactly what it is with us. And it's it's difficult because it, and what differentiates us from other companies is not only are we the manufacturer, not only do we have our own stores, but we're self-distributing to preserve that cold chain to maintain the integrity of the product. So you don't see that with a lot of other people out there trying to do everything to bring the best product that they can into the marketplace. And I imagine it must be expensive, right? You, you, do you pay for that in terms of margin? Oh, of course. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. How do you think about the the growth. So it seems like you did a pretty good job of like constraining the growth of the company for the first few years and an intentional decision. I imagine you may have gotten offers and kind of prompting to grow a little faster. Share with the, how you thought, think through the, the growing, the growing of the company because you night seven and then like boom, two, you know, two years there's been this little spike in growth. So Sure, sure. That might be very, this very interesting to CEOs listening, I'm sure. So we've had a lot of interest from investors or mergers and acquisitions. and That's um, great. Um, yeah, it's a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a little bit of control freaks. <laughs> I would never have guessed with that <laughs> such slow growth. I never have thought that. Uh, but yeah, but we like to sleep at night, so we don't know right. any money, and mm-hmm. that's a nice thing to that's do. That's great. That is great. So that was something that's key to our growth is that we grew as we could afford it. Um, We have chosen so far not to take on any investors um, because we're comfortable with the way that we're growing the company. And we're we're looking, we have a lot of avenues open to us. I don't know, maybe on the next show, we'll talk about how, you know, taking on a new partner went. But as of now, um, we're getting ready to open up a new plant, which will more than quadruple the size of our production, which is huge for us. So there's a lot of avenues that are opening up. We'll see if we'll get outside of Atlanta ourselves and be able to maintain the integrity and also grow the brand at the same time. We looked at franchising and things like that. And as we looked into it, it just wasn't right for our product because we want people to know that when they see Arden's Garden, they're going to get something of quality. Hmm. Tell us about the criteria. Like if you want to tease that out, how are you thinking about the criteria by which you decide whether or not something is yes, brand, you know, brand consistent and brand integrous or no, this isn't? Well, if I would drink it or eat it, it's brand and, you know, it works for us. I mean, I, we try everything ourselves, mm. um, not just once, but we drink it on a regular basis to see if it's something that... Listeners, is, her skin is really great. Did right? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you that I had all my children after 35? Oh, wow. <laughs> Four children. Yes. Are you serious? I swear. 35, 40, 42, and 46. All right. Juicing works, everybody. Without any intervention, but my husband, thanks. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, and the other thing is because we have direct contact with our customers, you know, they speak to us. So when something becomes very popular in a store, you know, in our stores, you can make your own smoothie. You can come up with, you can tell us what you like. When something becomes popular, we pay attention. 
So if it's something that we can then put into our line and introduce wholesale, we do that as well. So we have this great synergy that takes place between retail and wholesale as far as development of new products. Mm. Tell us about the operational side of maintaining this brand thing that you are so obsessive about, but it makes your juices delicious. And like when you decide, when do you, how do you decide it's too expensive? Because at some point you can't, you can't. I mean, you have to look at the bottom line on the different products Mm -hmm. and we'll look at when we're trying to come up with new juices, new products, you know, that is one of the things that you have to factor into it is, okay, here's what it's going to cost. Is this something that's going to be at a price point where the public's going to pay for it? And then that's where it's beneficial to us. And we have that niche of, we have stores and we'll throw it in our stores. We'll make something. We'll come up with an idea. We say, we like it. Let's throw it in the stores. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And we let the customers be the decision in that. And the customers can make make your decisions for you mm. because if they're not going to buy it, why make it? Mm. But do you have like a certain margin thing that says, okay, if it caught, co- you know, we have to maintain this margin and if it's this, it gets too expensive, especially as you're looking at distribution and the options for franchising and distribution, you know, you, you have, obviously your quality standard is very clear, right? but do you have like a way that you measure the cost of that quality? We're not going to compromise on quality. If we think that the customer is going to pay for it, mm. then we'll do it. But we're not going to like there are ways of get, of getting less expensive fruit but the quality's not there and i'm not we're not going to compromise that right right we just work you know we've worked too hard to build a brand build a reputation and we want to be loyal to our customers you know we don't want to let our customers down because they depend on us to bring something and mm. uh, how do you think about what the next few years are going to look like in terms of what Arden's Garden is going to look like in the future. We want to grow. You know, we want to open, we're looking at opening more stores now. It's very interesting. We put out on social media that we were interested in opening some new stores. And we asked our customers, we said, where would you like to see Arden's Garden? And we got some great responses. And so we're looking in those areas. Mm. And that's, you know, if you let your customers kind of guide you, it works. And so as you know, we think about this first half, because we talk about trends and, and try to distill some key takeaways for our CEOs who are listening, what I hear is, is this responsiveness to your customer and like really letting the customer guide you in terms of all the decisions that you make and then being very measured about your growth and the decisions that you made around growing. Right. Great. So for those of you listening, we're talk- talking to Leslie Zinn and Victor Gaffney. Uh, CEO and COO of Arden's Garden, the premier juice manufacturer in the city of Atlanta. Tell us about your philosophy about building a team. So for CEOs listening, what have you learned about building a great team that you think would be some golden nuggets that they could take away from the show? Um, I think that being loyal to your team, you know, treating them the way you want to be treated, uh, not asking them to do anything you wouldn't be willing to do yourself, uh, maintaining great loyalty from them has helped us grow immensely. We have many people that have been with us for more than half the time that we've been open. Some even the whole time have left and come back. So I would say that's the strongest thing and also a shared passion, a love of helping others. And they, I bet they better like juicing too, right? 
They better. <laughs> you know, some of them come on board. They don't like juicing. It's amazing how many people have come on board and lost weight. Ah. You know, have gotten so much healthier. And that's awesome. You know, it just in, in, enhances their passion for being there. Mm-hmm. Victor, tease out what the word loyalty means to you. Because um, really great concept. But in terms of like, let's say, talking to a CEO, how would you demonstrate loyalty to your employees how does that show up at Arden's Garden on a daily basis? I think the employees, the advantage of being a small company is you get to know each other very well. You know when someone's going through something in their personal life, business life, and that gives you opportunities to support them. Um, and when employees feel supported, they feel cared for, that provides loyalty in them towards the company, towards us. How do you decide or tell, as I was thinking about this, tell when it's something that you can fix and it's temporary or it's something that you can't fix and it's time to move on? I see Leslie smiling here. Well, I just read a great article several years ago and I shared it with my team and I'll try to be very concise. It was from a small business person in the New York Times and he had a, a... like a fiance of his daughter come to their mm-hmm. holiday party. And the guy said, thank you so much for inviting us. Your employees were so happy and it was so great to meet them. And he said, well, why do you think they're so happy? And he said, well, obviously they feel good about what they're doing and productive and appreciated as employees. And the guy said, anything else? And he said, no. And he said, cause I fired all the unhappy ones. <laughs> and, you know, I think that um, there are some people you can try really hard to make them happy. And in the end, if, it just, I think that there's a genuine joy to be there and want to make things work. And then there's times that it's just not the right fit. And when you're working in a small company, you never have extra people around. Mm -hmm. And so it's very hard sometimes to say, you're not happy here and we're not happy here. Let's move on and just be in pain for a little while and you keep going. And then when it doesn't work out, you look back and you say like, why, why did I hang in there? You know, we should have just, so uh, with experience, we we always, you know, like our whole company is about wellness and wellness has so many facets. And one of those is respect, you know. And so when we're dealing with um, a team player, whether it's working out or it's not working out, we treat everything with respect, you know, and honesty and integrity. Or we try. We try our best. And um, I think that you know these people. We know these people. You know, we've helped people buy homes, buy cars, get them out of jail. You know, we used to say like, well, we don't have a 401k, but if you do get arrested, you can call us. You know? <laughs> and I, that was many years ago, but still, you know, we're, we're that type of company, you know? So, you know, when it's just someone's going through something or when it's kind of a, we need to. And I think, and I think another thing with the employees is being a small company, they see us all over. And when, when we're out and people ask and say, well, what do you do at Arden's Garden? It's like, well, it depends on what's going on that day. You know, don't be surprised if you see Leslie and I driving a truck. Because <laughs> I'm just laughing. It, well, if people don't, if drivers don't come to work or if something happens, we'll jump in the truck because the juice has to be delivered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the way it goes. And you know, last week I was in production and I'm back there. You were back there juicing. Well, someone was out. Something went wrong. It was a late night and I was back there on the filling line and the guys are looking at me going, 
wow. And I said, the juice has got to be made. It's got to go out. So, you know, we all jump in and they know that we're not afraid to jump in. And it's all about being a team and and working together. Mm, Great. And um, I know that you work with with employees at like all different different levels, right? You know, everybody from truck drivers all the way up to professionals. Does your philosophy vary or how do you kind of match your style to the different kinds of employees that you that you may have? Our our style doesn't change. Mm-hmm. We are the same with everybody. We are real. We're who we are. Mm-hmm. Right. And and how do you inspire them? Well, I think that it's been inspiring to grow with us as a company because as we've gotten bigger and we've become um, healthier, our you know, benefits and stuff like that. We've shared it. We haven't hoarded everything to ourselves. So people see that when they provide value, uh, we provide value back to them. And it's very, you know, transparent. Mm. Great. And, and you can see it with the employees that have stayed for a long time and they've grown and they want to be a part of, of this machine that we're building. There is a sense of pride when you go out into the community and say, hey, I work for Arden's Garden, people are like, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's an awesome feeling. But in, a, in such a small company, how do you create opportunities for people? Oh, there's tons of opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a problem. I mean, we've had people that started literally as a clerk in the store. One of our DMs, she started with us when she was 17. It's 10 years now. She's one of our district managers. She's managing, she's over seven managers. There's lots of opportunity to grow. Um, If if you show hard work and willingness to learn, absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not difficult at all. That's easy. (laughs) (laughs) There's always something to do. So I, um, as I mentioned before, I'm a strategist. So I'm always thinking of businesses and that kind of through that lens. You would hate us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said you were a tough case. You know, you're like, okay, I drew this all on the, off the back of a napkin. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm out of a job. Um, how do you think about like the exit strategy? You know, like the, I know, I, I yeah, sorry, painful. But yeah, so how is it, how is it going to grow and change investors, IPO? No business, you know, kind of stays the same forever. Have you given any thought to that? We have given thought to that. Whether do we want to make this a generational business where our kids come into the business and take over um, or we want to grow it and bring on investors. At this point, we don't have an exit strategy in place. Uh, Our strategy right now is to continue to organically grow the business. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for a, a wonderful show. We've had Leslie Zinn. And Victor Gaffney from Arden's Garden, the premier juicing company in Atlanta. To find out more about them, you can check them out at CEOExclusiveRadio.com. Uh, on Thursday, you can also check out a blog that will have the key takeaways from today's show. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a pleasant, prosperous, and very productive week. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.